to instill mental resilience, to give tools and strategies for people to overcome adversity, and also find ways to let people know that they have the power to control their own destiny. Welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, drivers, and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobe Mponsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. All right, so today we have Charles Scott, a.k.a. Chad Scott, owner of Positively Caviar, keynote speaker, mind coach, and cyber defense technologist. Charles is a man of many talents, but you know his, his mastery comes from where he teaches people how to tap into their mind to produce powerful action. Um, I had a side convo with Chaz a few months ago, and I had to get him on the show because dude is, is extremely knowledgeable. Um, so Charles, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely, Kobe. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me out. No worries, man. So, Charles, how are you feeling right now in this instance? Um, you, you mean in terms of kind of what's everything that's going on? Yeah, like in general, like, you know, everything that's going on, you know, just even just how are you feeling right now in this moment? I feel I feel grateful, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on in this world, as you can see. But I think one of the things that I really started to tap into was what I like to call like radical self-care and ensuring that I'm doing my due diligence on a day in and day day out to make sure I'm good. Um, Because outside circumstances, external circumstances can lead you off a path very quickly if you're not careful and conscious. So it's really important that, uh, you know, you do what you need to do for your own self to keep, you know, clarity and to ensure that you're obtaining your highest self. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm happy. And of course, as I just mentioned to you, you know, the election that just happened with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So absolutely. I'm good. All right. And it's interesting that you bring up the fact that, you know, there's so much things happening. Um, But I watched one of your videos and you said there's like, how many thoughts does a human being have in one day again? Like, let's, let's, let's go over that. Yeah. And you know what? Because I talk about this a lot and um, I I ended up doing more research upon this and I'm not exactly sure where this research actually came from. And a lot of people have no idea, but what people have been saying for years is now that uh, the average human uh, within a a day time span has about 60,000 thoughts running through their head each and every day. On top of that, they say that 86% of those thoughts are considered negative and many of those thoughts are considered repetitive. Um, and the reason why that is in terms of like, you know, more negative thoughts is, is really coming down to our primitive nature. And if you take a look back, you know, and how we used to live in the uh, Stone Age days and things of that nature, we're always repetitive, repetitively looking over our shoulder, consciously and unconsciously trying to run away from, you know, a str- like a saber-toothed tiger or some type of mm. stress or some, you know, anxiety or fear. 
And uh, those were kind of, you know, where the negative that thoughts can stem from. So that's where that research kind of uh, really originates from. So, yeah. Got you. Hmm. So, Chaz, where were you born and raised? Yeah, so I was, um, I grew up a military brat. My father was a B-52 navigator in the United States Air Force. Uh, so he, he actually, um, they actually still fly these things. They're huge um, in the Air Force. So I moved around from, I was born in Louisiana, Shreveport, and then moved to Colorado Springs where my dad taught at the Air Force Academy there and then moved to Virginia. And then I ended up staying most of my um, elementary school, middle school, and high school in a town called Ellicott City, Maryland, which is just outside of Baltimore. Um, So Baltimore is really home for me. uh, And I've lived there with my mom for, it was close to, you know, 15, um, 10, 11, 12 years. But after that, I went down to Hampton University and studied computer science there, which is in Virginia. And currently right now, I live in Arlington, Virginia, which is just outside of D.C. Hmm. And growing up, growing up, um, you know, with it, with a dad who had that military background, did any of that pass on to you at all? That's a really good question. I think so. And um, I, I actually have two little brothers that live with my father. And one of the things that I could really see kind of what my dad kind of structured into their lives or taught them is the the power and the importance of discipline and persistence. So mm-hmm. one of the things that my little brother, he's, uh, he's currently in high school, very, very smart guy. Uh, he wants to be an astrophysicist and things, but Jeez. yeah, very, very smart. He actually got into an argument with one of the guys that I work with about the theory of relativity, a grown man getting into an <laughs> argument about the theory of relativity and a 10th grader. It, he really <laughs> believes in his thoughts and I just love it. Mm. Anyhow, um, my father would always constantly say, hey, Adam, that's his name, you know, make sure you cut the grass today. Hey, you know, the sun's going down, you know, I have these list of things I need you to do, uh, you know, make sure you get them done, um, you know. And it's really important that, you know, as you raise kids, you give them responsibilities, but you also reward them. And that's one of the things that I saw with my dad. And although I didn't live with my dad uh, for, for a long time because my parents had split up. Um, when I did go to, go to live with him, I started picking up tendencies and qualities and attributes that I knew that, you know, you kind of needed, needed to have to survive, not only survive, but thrive in this world. You know, a lot of us are just looking to survive, but, you know, I picked up these tools and I said, Hey, all right, you know, my dad has mapped out a framework and his, he looks successful. He looks happy. He looks fulfilled. I like those qualities. I'm grabbing those. I need mm. those in my life. You know, I, I want to be successful. I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. So yeah, he, he taught me all, a lot of those things, whether it was, you know, just a conversation or whether it was just, you know, just learning and, and just watching him, uh, you know, between the ages of zero and six, that's when you can have the most substantial impact on a human brain because our brain waves are what they call in theta waves. And man, humans learn from what they see. And if you see your parent or do something or say something, it goes right into their subconscious mind and it influences them in more ways than they can ever understand all the way up until they're grown. Hmm. This is, I mean, it's something that, that makes total sense, but the fact that, you know, these are, this is factual information, 
um, you know, it's, it's very reassuring. Like it's, it's reassuring to hear um, because, you know, even, even as kids, uh, they, they, they copy everything they, they see. Right. But I don't think that's something that we ever stop doing. You know, it's still, we probably don't do it as, um, we don't do it in such an obvious manner as a child, but I, I'm sure it's things that we still continuously do. Oh, you're, you're absolutely on the money. And that's one of the things that I started to kind of be conscious and aware of is, you know, we're constantly scrolling on social media. Um, you know, there's news, there's, you know, negative people in our lives. You know, we need to be very conscious and aware of the type of inputs that we bring into our, our mind, body, and souls, because, you know, I studied computer science undergrad. We used to use this term called garbage in, garbage out. Mm. Anything that you see in your external circumstance or however you feel or the people that you associate yourself with is subconsciously and consciously, uh, uh, I guess, downloaded into your brain and into your mind and how you feel. And it's really important that, hey, you put people around you that are positive. You put people around you that up, want to uplift you and, you know, you know, don't, you know, allow you to be your full self. And you're mindful of, hey, I've just, I've been scrolling on social media for 15 minutes when I'm supposed to be doing this paper. And, you know, I put down my phone and uh, I don't, I don't feel well about myself because of all the negative news that has been subconsciously given to me, you know, so it's really important that you take time to realize what's influencing me, how do I feel, and then make adjustments. So you're absolutely right. We're being conditioned every single day, but you have to have like, I call it like a, like guarding your mind. You have Mm. to guard your mind. You have to have tools and strategies to realize, number one, there are things that are trying to control and influence you unconsciously and subconsciously, but number two, making sure that you have the awareness to even know that and recognize that it's even happening. Because most people don't even recognize it. Marketing conglomerates, they've been using neuromarketing techniques for years, hmm. hacking the brain to make sure that you're clicking that link to buy things. This is, this, is, this is science. They've been hacking brains for years and people don't necessarily realize it. So it's crazy out here. Absolutely. So the, the Social do- uh, Dilemma documentary, that's, that's late. It's been happening. <laughs> now, now, Kobe, I, I did, I did actually watch that documentary a couple mm. weeks ago, and um, it's really astonishing, uh, as I'm sure you, you thought it was. But I think what's different about that documentary is it's it's really focused on social media mm-hmm. and how basically scientists are basically saying our intention spans are now shorter than a goldfish. Microsoft put out a study for that, and how important it is just to be aware of what's going on. Don't be programmed by these technologies and devices. Program your own mind, because guess what? Somebody else is going to program it for you if you don't know how to guard it yourself. Mm. Very true. Very true. So I want to take a step back here, Chaz. Um, You know, when you finished high school, um, what was your focus? Where was your head at? It's a good question, man. I think I I was just really focused on... um, I wanted to like build new technologies. I remember when the PSP came out, it's like a PlayStation portable. I remember that. Game Boys and all that stuff. But really when that PlayStation portable came out, I said to myself, 
I want to work for Sony. I want to work with Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. I want to make a difference in people's lives from a technology standpoint and bring convenience and inspiration to people. And uh, I, I knew I wanted to build, be an engineer. Um, when I was in middle school, I wanted to build Legos and you know these huge Connect roller coasters. I was obsessed with those things. Further into when I was about to graduate from high school, my dad started speaking to me about cybersecurity. So when I went into undergrad at Hampton University, HBCU, Historical Black College, um, down in Hampton, Virginia, my dad told me how important cyber was going to become and how much the military and you know private investment was going into this new up-and-coming field. Hmm. And went down to Hampton to study computer science, my undergrad, and then went ahead and did my master's in cyber. So my head was like solely in tech. I wanted to make a difference with using tech. I didn't know where I was going to head with that, but I just knew I wanted to, um, you know, be in tech, but also have that like cyber security background. I remember watching a, a, um, a commercial by, I think it was Lockheed Martin, one of those big uh, private consulting institutions for the government. And they had this, these two people on the keyboard and they were hacking away and, you know, trying to get rid of attacks and stuff like that. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is my dream. Uh, turns out that's not necessarily how it works in cyber. <laughs> so they got me great marketing, but uh, yeah, that's where my head was at during high school. Got you. And what made you curious about trying to understand more about the mind and how it works? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I think a lot of us, you know, we're told to, you know, go to school. We're told to get a good education. We're told to obtain these degrees, get into this, this life of, you know, get the car, get the money, get the girl. And I started to realize that there are people out here who have very large success in their lives and there's others that don't. And I was really curious as to why the difference was so spread out, regardless of your race, regardless of where you were born. And I really started to dive deep into what I like to call success principles and, you know, learning from people like um, one of my favorite books, Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, um, and, and really understand what does it take to make life work? Mm. When I was in undergrad, I failed my first computer science program because I wanted to be this computer scientist. I got a flat F <laughs> and I was distraught because I thought I knew where I was going and I didn't. And I felt like I was fighting the universe. I felt like the universe wasn't going according to my desires. And I, I kind of felt lost. I really did. And, you know, when you're, at the time, you feel like it's the end of the world, right? And anything that you're going to, you feel like it's the end of the world. But, you know, when you pull yourself out, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. But I really wanted to understand what does it take to make life work? And gaining these success principles from all these different authors, I started reading books like crazy, crazy. Uh, you know, before I read a book, I, it, I, I map out how many pages I can read each day. 
and then figure out when I need, when I can finish it so I can move on to the next. I write it out on the first page just so I know, so I can move on to the next, move on to the next. And, you know, I get Amazon packages every couple of days of books. But I started to realize what does it take to make life work? And I started to realize how important it is to understand this, the most important asset that was ever given to you. And there's a science behind it. And if you can understand the science, it will give you everything that you can desire. But you have to understand how your mind works to position yourself to increase your percentages of your desired outcome. And it's really important that people understand how their mind works and how positive and negative thought and correct thought influences your life. So one of my favorite quotes is, um, you know, your thoughts and your words will influence your destiny. And it's important to speak victory into your life as opposed to defeat. So that's where my, my head was at. And I just continued that thrust into, you know, what I do now. Got you. Hmm. And even just a side question for you, they say, you know, and I say they, like it's some outer person, but you always hear people say stuff like, um, we can only access like 10% of our brain. Um, you know, how true is that? Is this one of those myths floating out there or is there, is there some truth to that? Well, I gotta be honest with you because there are lots of sayings that have been floating around in, ter in terms of the mind and the brain. There's that one. There's people that say that we only access or use 40% of our brain. And, you know, the rest of the 60% is really where you obtain, like, kind of like taking the limitless pill. Yeah. I've got to be honest with you. Personally, I humbly be uh, believe in the, in the studies that I've researched and the, you know, the night in, the night outs, the YouTube videos, the documentaries, the everything that I've researched, I started to realize that we have no idea what our minds are capable of. Mm. We have absolutely no idea. It is, it is limitless. And just, just, just me saying that gives me chills down my spine because your mind is so powerful. People don't understand. I started doing research on quantum psychology, quantum positive psychology, positive psychology, which are new studies now. I started doing research on, you know, the importance of maintaining, you know, positive thoughts and how negative thoughts actually have a physical effect on your body. There's a new study that Harvard is, is doing now called psycho, um, psychoneuroimmunology, which is basically how your thoughts, literally your thoughts and your immune system, your thoughts have an effect on your immune system. So you mean to tell me based upon how I think? can contribute to physical illness? Wow. Yes. Yes. And, and, and philosophers have known this for years. They've, they've talked about it for years. It's only until now that science has confirmed this, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of people like to sh separate church and state, science and, 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 and um, I like to say the spiritual community, not necessarily mm -hmm. religious. It's all the same. It's getting to the same thing. Mm. it's all getting to the same conclusion. We are limitless. You have to believe in yourself and positive and correct thought to help yourself and help the world is very important for us, but you have to understand how your mind works. Hmm. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. 
So you have a lot of intelligent people in this world, right? You know, um, even throughout history, you have, you know, the Albert Einsteins, the Neil deGrasse Tysons, you know, brilliant people. Um, but do you think brilliance or intelligence is something that people are born with? Or is it more of a reflection of the environment they grew up in? So it's, it's partly both. There's a, there's a lot of influences that, that influence the mind and body. One of the things that, one of my favorite quotes that I use when I give keynotes is, you know, you're the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And that's true, right? You take a look at the people that you surround yourself with, those habits, those morals, those values influence your mind consciously and subconsciously. Now, that also goes to in kind of the 21st century is, you know, the type of information that you're accumulating, the, the way that you grew up. But one of the things that I started to realize is, you have a choice. You have an opportunity to, you know, figure out, you know, who you want to become and where you want to go. Now, I will say there are people with with minds with the innate ability to that have intelligence. I'll say that. But I will tell you, you know, an example is, and we could just talk about, you know, Albert Einstein or LeBron James, right? Mm-hmm. There's only a few people that will have the minds of Albert Einstein. There's only a few people that will have the bodies of LeBron James, Mm. but we can still do so much with what we were given. Yes. And it's important that individuals realize that you have the ability to change your life. You have the ability to control your destiny. There's a new study that I always like to talk about is neuroplasticity. People used to think that our brains were just given to us and we couldn't change them. Matter of fact, they used to think that once you got to age 30, even probably a little bit lower than that, that our brains couldn't change and they would actually decline in memory. That is not the case. That is completely the opposite of what's going on. Neuroplasticity is the study of how your brain changes over time due to your thought patterns and your experiences and the people that you surround yourself with. So one of the good examples that I like to use is you can think of a – Think of rainwater, right? There's a, there's a dirt path and rainwater begins to accumulate and this dirt path begins to accumulate some water, right? Mm-hmm. Over time, more rainwater, the dirt path becomes more ingrained. It becomes bigger. It becomes a stream. It becomes a river, right? And so on and so forth. This is exactly what's happening in your brain and the neurological pathways of your brain when you learn something new. And when you repetitiously and consciously, consistently look at something over time and you believe that you can achieve and learn, your brain begins to adapt and it begins to learn. And then over time, it gets easier, right? Think of opportunities where, you know, you've been, you wanted to learn the piano or learn to ride a bike. Learn to ride a bike is the easiest one. At first, it's really hard, but repetitively, your brain begins to adapt as well as your body. Mm-hmm. And it's so important for people to realize this because I used to think I was stuck. You know, there's so many people out here that just think that they're stuck with their brains and their bodies that they're given. And it's not the case. Your brain is malleable. It has the ability to change if you have, number one, the belief the awareness of how your mind actually operates and the discipline to realize that 
I can influence my destiny. Nobody else is going to influence that. I know who I am and I know where I'm going. So it's really important that people can understand that. And one last thing I would like to add in terms of the body, new study called epigenetics. And one of my favorite books by Deepak Chopra called Super Genes, it talks about how people used to think that genes were just given to us and you couldn't change them, right? My dad was a smoker. I'm a smoker. My dad, my mother had cancer. I, I'm going to have cancer. Eh. Let's look at this a little bit differently now. Super genes or what they call epigenetics, meaning above, meaning you have more influence over your genes than what your parents have given you. Wow. And that's because of what you eat, who you surround yourself with, and your experiences. They did a quick study of youth. Both uh, two sets of youth kids, both at age, age five, right? One set of kids lived in an affluent area and didn't necessarily go through trials and tribulations in their home life. The other set of kids went through trials and tribulations in their, in their home life, lots of long-term stress, right? Within this two, this two study, they measured the length of their telomeres, Telomere is basically the, you can think of a plastic shoelace at the end of a chromosome or at the end of, excuse me, a plastic shoelace at the end of a shoelace, a plastic part of the end of the shoelace, excuse me. Yeah. And as you get older, your telomeres begin to unravel, right? So it's the natural aging process of a human being, correct? So, and as your chromosomes split, your telomeres become shorter because they begin to unravel because you become to get older. Okay, two sets of kids, age five, affluent area, not so affluent. They're going through trials and tribulations, long-term stress. They measured the length of their telomeres at age five, both the same length, right? They measured their telomeres at age 10. Guess who had the shorter telomeres? The youth that went through the long-term stress. So what does that say? By definition, my thoughts, my experiences, the anxiety, the stressors that I have in my life are actually influencing my life expectancy. Mm. This is big in science because we realize that not only do I determine my genetic destiny and my life expectancy, it's all on me, and, it, and I have the power. I have the influence. Just because my mother and my father act this way or did this way or had this illness doesn't necessarily mean I will have it. You may be predisposed, right, predisposed to it, but you have the ability to consciously say, all right, I recognize that. What am I going to do to ensure that I eat healthy, exercise, and do the things that I need to do for my mind, body, mind, body and soul? So, so the, um, you're saying the, the, the individuals who grew up in that stressful environment, their telomeres were, were shorter or longer? Shorter. Because shorter. as you get older, your telomeres begin to unravel, which means they become shorter. Mm -hmm. And it's the natural aging process of a human being. There's actually studies out there, kind of like uh, Ancestry.com and um, 23andMe, where they'll measure the length of your telomeres in accordance to you know your real age and you can actually see your genetic age versus the age you think you are and your genetic age is really determined upon right your you know the way that you eat the the thoughts that you have about yourself psychoneuroimmunology 
and your your experiences, long-term stress, anxiety, all that type of stuff. So it's actually quite extraordinary. Best books I've ever read by that, by Deepak Chopra, Super Genes. Hmm. And what are some of the things that you would suggest to people who want to, um, you know, strengthen their mind, right? Like what are some exercises you would, you would implement and you would advise people to do? So I'm glad you touched on that because one of the things I like to harp on is what do you need to do to ensure that you're living the best sort of life that you can? Mm -hmm. So one thing I forgot to add to all of that is there are resilient factors to help you extend the length of your telomeres and help you uh, live a long and healthy life. Those resilient factors, this is, this is science. This is science. Those resilient factors in the book, specifically meditation and exercise. Meditation has the ability to lengthen your telomeres as well as exercise. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so, has been so important to my life is meditation. I spend about 40 minutes a day, 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes midday. Sometimes I like to do it right before I go to sleep and meditate. I have an app that calculates, you know, my time. But one of the things I think is so important is if, if they really say the mind is all and we control everything through our mind, that means we need to become very good at using it become very good at recognizing when negative thoughts or anxiety or stress begin to rise. And then what you'll start to notice is those thoughts begin to fall because you start to realize that you may have these thoughts floating past you like a bus, right? And you're, you're just kind of sitting there at the station and you're like, man, look, negative thought, negative thought. Ah, right. You begin to realize that you don't have to attach yourself to that negative thought. You can just sit there and allow it to pass you. Mm. And, and this is why it's so important because, you know, a lot of people have a shirt that says positivity. This is one of the sweatshirts that we, um, you can purchase on our nonprofit website, Positively nice. Caviar. But a lot of people are like, ah, oh, Chaz, positivity, you know, you just talk about it too much. Every, life isn't just so positive. Let me explain something to, to people very clearly. The way that you think has an effect on your, your genetic destiny as well as your, the, the way that you, you know, think about your own life. Positive and correct thought is very important. And if the mind is all, we need to ensure that we're doing exercises to strengthen this, our most valuable asset. And nobody likes negative thoughts, right? To my knowledge, right? I, I don't know anybody that likes negative thoughts. I don't certainly like it. What you begin to realize is you have the power to not attach yourself to negative thoughts and you become a master. You know, people in Star Wars, you know, Jedis and, um, you know, Buddhas out, you know, overseas and people of that nature. Um, specifically, let's talk about Buddhism and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you see a lot of them talk about the importance of meditation. You're like, well, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is all this meditation stuff? And, what people begin to realize and see is, you know, meditation, you, you, you begin to have this experience where you don't need any external circumstances to make you happy or make you fulfilled. You start to realize that you have a mind, you have the opportunity in your mind and, and, and you're very capable of being happy with yourself 
and not have any other external circumstance, that goal, that car, that house, that, that girl, that, those, that jo- those Jordans, right? You don't need any of that. You start to realize how important it is just to be, have tranquility, have peace, and start to realize that you can influence your life and not, not and here's, here's the important thing, Kobe. This is one of the things I, I, I kind of sketched around, but it's really important that people understand this. Negative circumstances will happen, but it's important that you have the tools necessary to respond to it, not mm. react, respond. And respond means consciously saying, okay, that happened. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to let that, you know, hurt me in any type of way? You know, I, I may, I may say, Hey, recognized it. I have the conscious awareness. Cool. But what I'm not going to do is allow that negative circumstance to pull me down in a, 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 a negative loop of emotions that does not support my desired outcome or the desired feeling or the fulfillment that I want in my life. Mm-hmm. It's important that people consciously respond to life and not react. Because guess what? When we react, we do things that we wish we wouldn't have done. You know, it's, it get, comes out to our primitive nature, fight or flight. We, we got to do whatever is necessary to protect ourselves, protect our ego. And that can, that's another story. But it's very important that people respond and not react. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful. So what, what keeps you going? I can see, you know, Chaz, you're a very curious dude. You always like to dig in stuff, but what is your why? Like what keeps Chaz going every single day to be curious, do this research on the mind, like keeps driving every day. What keeps you going? I think it's, it's a couple of things. Um, you know, I, last year I, I spent all year trying to come up with a mission statement and 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 whatever you ask your mind to do it will achieve it i just want to make that note i did come up with that mission statement it's very it's very near and dear to my heart and i say it every morning when i meditate but you know when you start to grow up you start to realize that you're not on this earth to accumulate things you're not on this earth to you know, just attain money. You're really solely on this earth to help others. And I started to realize that when I started accumulating this knowledge in my own life, I realized how important it was to give that to youth and to give that to people that are, are dealing with a tough time. They may be battling anxiety or depression or, you know, um, lack or limitation and self-belief within themselves but if you can understand how your mind works and everybody has the same tools this right here and i just told you two scientific proofs that you have the ability to control your own destiny neuroplasticity and epigenetics it's so powerful because you, you begin to understand that you can control your destiny not the political leader not you know, something condemning me because I did something wrong, you know, not, you know, any external circumstance or or, or negative person in my life, you can control your life. And that's what I want to give people. I wake up every morning and I ask the question to myself and actually right before I got on the show with you today, I said, you know, what can I give folks to inspire them? 
how do I need to communicate and articulate my message to ensure that this is reaching the depths of people's souls to give them the strength and self-belief to achieve whatever they desire? Mm -hmm. I consciously ask myself that question because I realize how important it is to give back to others. And I'm taking a, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Coursera. Yeah. Um, I, I love, you know, like you said, accumulating knowledge as much as possible, but they have free courses and it talks about, you know, Buddhism, taking a course on Buddhism, excuse me, and um, what they call natural selection or, you know, the primitive nature of, of who we are, you know, fight or flight and stuff like that. And what, one of the things that they talk about is how spiritual practices, whether it's meditation or prayer, whatever the case may be, um, you know, teaches us really to have more empathy and be more compassion, uh, have more compassion, excuse me, and, and really kind of go against the grain of our primitive nature, which is, you know, protect ourselves, protect, you know, you know, I'm going to fight uh, if somebody threatens me, you know, type of thing. And namely, there are certain cases where you need to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things I started to realize is our basic nature is to help others. A lot of people think scientists and, you know, scientists have, have done great work in humanity. Scientists, you know, continue to believe and study that, you know, we're put on this earth, you know, solely for survival. And that, that is the case. That is absolutely the case. Natural selection. How, how do we ensure that we're giving those genes to the, to the next generation, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's the number one goal. But I would argue, and a lot of other philosophers out here, like Neil Donald Walsh and, and, and others, would say that our natural instinct is to help others. And one of the most important things that I was able to, um, specifically Neil Donald Walsh, he talks about how if you see a child in the middle of the street and you see a car coming down the road, your natural instinct is to do whatever you can to save that child. It's a natural human instinct. It, here's another subtle one. You see a homeless person on the street and in a blink of a second, very quickly, there's a thought that arises and say, you know, I, there's an innate yearning to give, but we always shut that voice out. Mm -hmm. We always shut that voice out. And that's why I think it's in our innate ability to, to give back to others. So that's, that's really where, you know, that comes from for me to help others, especially in the black community. Got you. Got you. So what's next for Chad Scott? Well, um, you know, one of the things that people have kind of uh, motivated me to do is to, you know, start writing a lot more. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important that you find other opportunities to impact more people and to, you know, not only, um, you know, impact more people, but allow them to uh, help them impact more people as well. So, the, you know, it's like a compounding effect. So, you know, um, books, uh, more speaking engagements. I've been doing a lot of um, speaking engagements kind of like these on Zoom, face-to-face -face and things. And, uh, you know, we'll see where, where, where this kind of goes. But, you know, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very happy. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of just see what, what, where, where we head with this, but it's, it's really important. One of the things I, I would like to discuss is my nonprofit positively caviar, um, where we focus on instilling mental resilience by way of intentional positive thinking. And we host mental wellness workshops in the cities of Baltimore and DC. 
Mm. as well as the mid-Atlantic area all the way up to New York, where we give kids in underserved communities ages 11 to 18 the strategies and tools to overcome self-limiting beliefs, overcome negative self-talk, how to overcome adversity, um, how to fully love yourself so you can love others and relationships. And these are, you know, if you think of the Maslow hierarchy of needs and at the bottom, you really have, you know, food and water. And then as you move up, you have self-love and then you get to self-actualization, which is I can see the thought, the thoughts that I have in my head are actually reality. Like I can see what I just manifested. Like I just manifested that. Right. But before you can get up to the the top of manifestation and self-actualization, you have to know how to love yourself. You have to know tools and strategies to understand and to fully be whole with yourself and to know who you are and how to overcome adversity. And that's what we do with our nonprofit. So I'm hoping to uh, position ourselves where we can ingrain ourselves into school systems as well as more workshops and camps during the summer. Got you. Got you. Powerful, man. This is the Purpose Round, where entrepreneurs, creatives, and social impactors are asked a series of questions that highlight their true purpose. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. Chaz, what is your purpose? My purpose? I'll have to kind of go to my um, mission statement, which is, you know, to instill mental resilience to give tools and strategies for people to overcome adversity and also find ways to let people know that they have the power to control their own destiny and they have everything that they need. You don't need anything else. You have everything that you need. Hmm. What's your morning routine like? My morning routine is really aggressive. And the reason why I begin to realize or begin to kind of figure out, you know, you know, why it's aggressive is because I started to realize how important it is in my, in in my entire life, my relationships, my career, my job. So my morning routine is pretty aggressive. I usually wake up between about four 30 to five o'clock. And it's adjusted over time, but right now I go directly to a run. I usually run anywhere from three to five to six to eight miles in the morning, depending on if I'm uh, training for a marathon or ultra marathon. After that, I take some time to stretch, usually hit the weights uh, if I can, if I have enough time. At that moment, it's probably about six o'clock, 6.15-ish, and I go to back to my home, take time to meditate. I ask those, those really important questions. You know, what is it that I can do to help others today? I take the time to review the list of goals that I have for myself. And, you know, I throw on music and I meditate for 20 minutes. After that, take a shower. After my shower, I usually grab a bowl of Raisin Bran and almond milk and uh, some yogurt, uh, probably some fruit on the side, uh, a... Um, an apple, which is really good for your brain and neurological structure of your brain. And uh, from that moment, I go directly into reading. I read for 20 minutes. I set the timer on my phone and there's no distractions. There's nobody up. There's nobody. There's no notifications coming in. My phone is on do not disturb. My laptop is on do not disturb. My iPad is on do not disturb. You know, there's no family members calling me. It's me 
and the book. And a lot of people say, there's not enough time to read. Oh, you can find a lot of time to read. And I usually read about two or three books a month. But within that period, you know, I just accumulated knowledge to kind of help myself, whether it's a self-help book or self-transformation book. Um, you know, I take that and incorporate it in my own life or incorporate it into some of the things that we're doing with our workshops or some of the coaching that I do. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really physical fitness, which is really important. You got to get your heart rate up. You got to push yourself and uh, you go, go directly into meditation and then reading growth. Uh, how do I to ensure that I'm, I'm gaining knowledge to support myself? And those three things with that, you know, the, I like to call them the, my MRRs, my meditate, reading, running are so important to my life because let me tell you, Kobe, between the hours of about 9 a.m., let me back that up, between the hours of about 8.30 a.m. to about 11 a.m., my mind is so sharp. What they call it is the, the states of flow, and it's a study in positive psychology which says, you know, and I'm sure you've been in these moments, a lot of people have, which is you're solely focused on a task that you lose sense of yourself and you lose sense of time. It's because you love what you're doing, um, but here's what I've done. I know how to hack my brain. And if I do these three things in the morning, between those hours, I put my hardest task between those hours because I know that's when my mind is operating on an existential scale where I realized I have so much concentration um, and in, intentionality in, in knowing what my goal is and knowing what success looks like with this particular task. Mm -hmm. And I usually knock it out pretty quickly. So uh, it's, it's very important. It means a lot to, to my life and I really encourage others to try it out themselves. Um, there's lots of morning room tea books out there and I've, I've went through a lot of them and you have to figure out what works for you because I've, I've started with meditation first. I didn't necessarily like that. I started to fall asleep as soon as I woke up. <laughs> I uh, started with reading first, started to fall asleep right when I woke up. And I was like, man, I got to change my, you know, my morning routine. I'm going directly to exercise. I got to get my heart beat up. I got to figure out what makes this work. And I, I truly believe that your morning routine will set you apart from everyone in terms of success, your spiritual needs, as well as your, your growth intellectually. Hmm. Powerful, powerful. Chaz, that's powerful. I have my um my own morning routine, and I've I've dabbled in, you know, different um different types of routines. But what would you suggest for people who are trying to find that routine that works best for them? I I you know, people aren't gonna like this answer, but it's it's trial and error. As as I'm as I'm sure you're aware, you got to figure out what works for you. Everybody, David Goggins has this thing where he says everybody has their own equation. You know, pi is 3.14. 3 you got to figure out what works for you. You got to figure out what, what answer is going to get you to the desired feeling or outcome that you need. And you got to, you have to try it out. It's going to feel uncomfortable because your brain is so used to the repetitive tasks. But I've told you, you know, the neurolog neurological structure of your brain changes over time. So you, you, you have to do some trial and error to figure out what works for you. Fair enough. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Oof. 
That's tough. That's tough. I, I'm going to have to go with, a lot of people don't necessarily know him, but his name is Reverend Ike. He is, uh, he was a clergyman back in the 70s and 80s. He died in uh, early 2000s, maybe 90s. Um, but he he invested a lot into the communities of uh, African Americans, particularly in America, as well as the world, in terms of understanding how their mind works. And he did it in a way that wasn't traditional in terms of um, Christianity and the spiritual practices that were taught. And he, he did get a lot of, um, you know, negative press for kind of what he spoke about, but, you know, one of the things that it, it, it is clear and evident what he talked about in the seventies and some of the, the, the most, um, uh, famous motivational speakers will tell you is Reverend Ike was ahead of his time. Some of the things that he was talking about, you guys, you have to Google some of his videos. Some of the things that he was talking about in terms of the thoughts and the mind and, and ensuring that you do what you need to do on a daily basis to think positively and correctly about oneself is the same thing that we're coming to the conclusion in terms of psychoneuroimmunology. The same thing that we're coming to the conclusion with in terms of epigenetics and neuroplasticity. I have the power to control my own gen genetic destiny as well as the, my mind and how I think. He talks about the subconscious mind, and he was really ahead of his time. And there was no thought leader like that in terms of, um, you know, the religious community, especially, but especially the black community. And, you know, Reverend Al Jackson, or Reverend Al Sharpton, excuse me, and others, um, you know, from anywhere from Muhammad Ali uh, to, to, to others that were really influential in that time era, went to go speak to Reverend Ike. And a lot of people don't know this. Uh, one of the things that he always talks about is you can't lose with the stuff I use. And the stuff he uses is positive and correct thought about oneself. Positive self-psychology, understanding and realizing who you are and knowing what you want or what you desire and how you can use your mind to go ahead and attain it, as well as helping others at the same time, is something really extremely valuable to me. And I wish I would have been alive when he was – um, preaching to the extent of what he was doing. It, it's truly inspiring to see the knowledge that he was able to articulate within the black community and, 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 you know, for others to start to realize that I have the power to control my destiny, not the political figure, not, you know, the fact that, you know, my, my parents came from slavery, right? Not the fact that, you know, I, I live in a community that doesn't support us the way affluent communities do. So he was so influential and he's really still influential in my life. If you had a hundred dollars to build your own business, how would you leverage that? I only had a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a little bit more than that, I would invest it into a low cost ETF. Mm. But $100, man, I need to figure out how to flip that because that's it, that $100 is not going to work for a business. I need to figure out ways to make more money. Uh, one of the things I started to realize, and I'm, sh I'm sure you know this, in terms of uh, building a business, business and scaling a business, 
we need capital. You need capital to scale this thing. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to figure out ways to make more money with that $100. Got you. Got you. It's just, it's just literally, okay, this money isn't enough, but I need to actually plan. You know, I need to plan how I'm going to grow this $100 pretty much. Yeah. And you, you touched on a good point. Maybe I can get that $100 to, um, to uh, find supplies to go ahead and map out a plan, right? To, to yeah. get more money, get a whiteboard or something. Because <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to help me. But extremely grateful though, right? You got you to be grateful for what's, what, what you've been given. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things that I preach. Uh, I, don't, I hate to use preaching. That's one of the things that I talk about mm. in terms of having gratefulness. Because if you're not grateful for what you have now, more will not be given to you. Mm. Okay. What would you say was your most impactful moment and what did you learn from it? Wow. I thought about this actually a couple weeks ago. Mm. I was going to talk about, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's go to this one because this is where I truly knew my purpose in life. I had a speaking engagement down at Hampton University, my alma mater, uh, where we did a workshop with some student leaders and I had my little brother come down as well as a, a, a really close friend, uh, fraternity brother. And I got up on stage and it was a, it was a, a room full of about a hundred people. And I had, I had graduated about three, four years ago mm-hmm. and I got up on stage and I just knew in my heart, in my soul, that this was my purpose. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because I had an opportunity to, to come back where it all started down in Hampton where, where I was lost and to give back to the people that, that helped me and give back to the, to the next generation. And I started talking about my experiences and the things that I had went through with my family as well as, you know, my career and some of the trials and tribulations that I went through. And I started to realize that the things that I'm, that I am studying and learning about my own life um, need to be shared. And I started to realize that some of the things that was, were happening in my life provided people with perspective and, and gave them hope and gave them faith and, and gave them self-belief. And it was a moment that I, I could never ever put into words it was just this feeling and and when you know you just know and it's it's just so powerful to have a feeling like that and that was like the strongest feeling that i had i've I've ever had to this day Hmm. list your top three most influential books oh man you got me on this one man (laughs) I, i read a lot okay uh Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, Power of Positive Thinking, completely changed my framework on how to live my life. People always want to know, you know, how, to, how, to, how can I live healthy? How can I live abundantly? How can I have fulfillment? Philosophers have talked about this for millions of years. You just got to read. Mm-hmm. Power of Positive Thinking, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Number two, just finished this book a couple uh, months ago. Three Magic Words by U.S. Anderson. Powerful book conscious and subconscious mind, how to obtain, you know, fulfillment, how to obtain more peace and happiness within yourself and, and meaningful relationships. And number three, I'm going to have to go with, I'm over here looking at all my books now. 
have to go with the science of getting rich by Wallace Waddles. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people, especially within the black community, especially in the religious communities, you know, it's, it's always been looked upon as if, you know, getting money or getting rich or obtaining wealth and abundance is a bad thing. Wallace Waddles looks at it in a different perspective in which he says, you know, obtaining, obtaining wealth and obtaining your riches actually not only helps your life, but helps others. Because guess what? If you give, if you give a million dollars to a man that is homeless on the street, guess what do you, guess what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of weeks? He won't have a million dollars because it's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. How many people do you know that, you know, are, are businessmen who lose everything, but ob obtain it very, very quickly in the next couple of weeks? It's because it's a state of mind. Their frequencies that they're emitting are matching their desired outcome and mm -hmm. matching the desires that they have about their goals and their lives, which means when they receive it, they'll keep it. When they receive it, they'll keep it. And a lot of people don't understand that. Wallace Waddles puts that into context and ensures that it's okay to, to have wealth and to help your family as well as help others because what people need is inspiration. You can give the money all you want, right? Very important. But at the same time, when you become successful, it inspires, inspires others to become successful as well. And they need inspiration. You can't just give feed people money and expect them to live a happy and abundant life. They have to be vi vibrating on a frequency that matches, you know, that money to in, in order for them to ensure that they're using it correctly, but so they can keep it. Mm -hmm. The Science of Getting Rich is on my top three list as well. That's a, it's a powerful book. You know, my, Kobe, you know what my favorite line in there is? It's, it's, it's really uh, crazy, but he says something, you know, the way to help the poor is to get rich. I was like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> you can't really help them just by giving them money. You got to, yeah, it's, it's, it's facts. I need, to, I need to read that book again, actually, two more times. You the man, bro. <laughs> Tell us, yep, for sure. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. Business is people processes, strategies, tools, the people you know, all of that is really important. One of the things that I think is so important, this is just life in general, but specifically with business, it's very important that individuals have positive and correct thought about themselves. And in order for you to do that, there are things that successful people do um, that they do in a certain way to obtain wealth and to be successful. And what I like to call some people are unconsciously competent. Some people are extremely good at business and really good at obtaining wealth but they have no idea why. And it's because of positive and correct thought. Mm. You can have all the tools and strategies in the world, but if you don't have positive and correct thought about your own life and the goals and the desires that you have about yourself, you will never obtain it. And if you do obtain it, you won't keep it. Hmm. And is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Last piece of value. I think it's so important, number one, to realize that you have the ability to, 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 to change your course of life. And 
not only that, when you begin to make those changes in your own life and purposely move and have intentionality in your day and, and, and set goals for yourself, you begin to inspire others. And we're, there is not a currency available that man has created that is greater than the ability to inspire others. And it is so important that people begin to feel that feeling and realize that money and wealth will, 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 you know, will make, make you happy to a certain extent. But when you help others, it pays dividends, no pun intended. It mm. pays dividends. There's a feeling and a rush that you get from helping somebody and not expecting anything in return. And, you know, there's two different paradigms in which you can live your life. You can live in this paradigm of self-limiting belief, negative self-talk, self-doubt, lack, limitation. Or you can live in this paradigm of abundance, of peace and tranquility and happiness every single day of your life. I'm not saying negative circumstance won't arise. They will. But you'll have the tools and strategies to overcome them very quickly. You will respond to life, not react to life. And you'll, you'll be so happy with your own self that when you see your friend next to you, get a new job, get a new car, get a new house. Your success makes me happy, mm. right? Your success makes me happy. I just want to help you. I'm so whole and happy with myself that I just want to see others do good. And once you get to that state, everlasting peace everlasting peace and abundance is given to you and you have to and people feel the, these moments over the course of their lives you know but we're so subconsciously programmed that get the house get the car get the get the girl get everything these these materialistic items that are supposed to give us happiness when really true happiness is helping others mm. and how can the purposeful story family stay connected with you Absolutely. So I'm on all the social media sites. You can follow me at Mr. Underscore Caviar, C-A-V-I-A-R on Instagram, as well as Twitter. Uh, you can follow our nonprofit, which is Positively Caviar on Instagram. And then on our Twitter is Positive Caviar, no L-Y, uh, not too many characters, as well as, you know, the coaching that I do, which is a uh, LLC consulting agency that I just started called Supermentum and basically helps individuals understand how to use the power of their own mind to achieve their deepest desires and catapult them to the life that they want to achieve in their lives. So you can follow us, follow me on any of those social media sites and um, yeah. Okay. Chaz, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was brought to you by my senior editor, Podcast Doc. And the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is drive more listeners to the podcast as we continue to share more purposeful stories to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.